0: Children, welcome to the Church of Pantan podcast, the premier Battle Spirit Saga talk show available on all your favorite podcast platforms. May the cores be our saviors. I'm a spirit, your head of service, and joined with me are my apostles, John, and a Cosmic. Cosmic, how are you doing this week? Woo!
1: Rough week. Uh, <laughs> first new work schedule, trying to get back into content. My computer done being uh, crashed and all that stuff. So trying to get things started uh, one step at a time again.
0: Yeah, uh, I do know that with like your, you had like the crash and you lost a bunch of files. So like, are you back into like being able to at least decently produce videos now or it's.
1: Yeah, I was able to recover a lot, thankfully, but um, there was some stuff I had to go back and like rip stuff from old videos or just try to find some like all the card images again with just to get new folders set up. So Mm. it was a little bit of a working progress, but you know, a week is all it took, all things considered. Now it's back up and should be fine going forward.
0: Should be. There's always those little few things that's always like, oh, yeah, I forgot that. That's also a thing that I had. And you kind of pick up as you go along. But uh, glad to hear that you're back on your feet. And John, how are we doing this week?
2: I am doing great. I've actually uh, been having a lot of fun testing set three, Uh, kind of been neglecting pro tour testing for a bit, but uh, set three has been great. So I'm in good spirits and uh, excited to talk about some new cards.
0: Yeah, I think it's the same thing for me where it's like it's so tough between doing the right thing, which is like testing the Pro Tour, and then doing the fun thing, which is actually testing Set 3, which I'm enjoying way more and deck building for that way more.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, now that Alex is back from his World Tour, he just wants to play all the time. so. When I say I've been like neglecting pro tour testing, it's, I'm still doing it. It's just, mm. we've been playing like eight hours a day, and, like <laughs> maybe half or six hours of that is just playing set three stuff. So, you know, it's been, you know, he's, he's kind of a madman when it comes to, uh, you know, testing. Yep. So,
0: Yep. The man that puts in his hours, um, which, you know, given his results, don't necessarily him. and team TD is definitely probably the team that has dedicated the most hours to testing. So kind of goes hand-in-hand with the performances you guys have had as well. So, uh, today's show, we'll be talking about the Chilean Grand Open, which is the last Grand Open of Wave 2. And then we'll be jumping into kind of a little bit more of a detailed discussion about the Pro Tour and kind of our predictions of what's going to be moving on to that now that we move away from this Axe Spider Depths format. Uh, of course, that'll tie in with Sorlet, uh, the Lore set, which is releasing, released like last week for some regions, releasing this week for other regions. So, kind of like yes. the official release on that front. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: I'm, I'm pumped for that. You know, like I, I know when we kind of reviewed it, I think during our first episode, which would have been, I guess, a month ago now, um, we were, I think we were all kind of down on most of it right we figured that Tokyo was probably the big winner which it, it still is that that hasn't changed but with set three now uh we've been testing a lot of the uh, lore set cards and some decks and some of them are a lot better than uh we gave credit for especially uh the red nexus uh victory oath mm. that's actually been pretty <laughs> saucy with the uh new mermaid so you know, I, I know that your opponent also gets to draw two, but if you're playing somewhat of a stall mill deck with like Mandala, uh then you know, basically a free Star Blast is always gonna be pretty good.
0: So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it plays into the mill theme. It also kind of like in those matchups, usually when you're going up against a control deck, it's not so it can often be not so much about like giving them the number of cards as just have them seeing the right card to deal with like your control. And if you're just comboing, like if you're just blowing up their board with a card that we're gonna talk about later every turn, it almost kinda doesn't matter what they see. So Yeah, and that's the thing. When you're playing a super non-interactive deck, like I don't care how many
2: cards you have or what they do, like they're, they're probably not gonna work the way that you want them to. So you know, it's it's kind of how it works out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really any in- interesting as we're going through the spoilers and seeing like the crush archetype come online, being this like very linear play your nexus early, curve out with all these crushed guys, just jam them across the board. And like, we hope to get some mill strategy. And now it turns out like, you know what? We dust all that, just scrap it. We have Mandala. It does enough. Build up your nexuses. The other XR that we're going to talk about is absolutely insane. It's like such a divergence from probably what the devs intended, because you can very clearly see it as a strategy in the main set, to, okay, well, what if we just play good cards? And it does feel a lot like set two with green, where it's like, it was largely a splash color, so I'm assuming by set four more of blue will come online. But man, Crush was fun, but I think the other side of it is just going to be far better. Uh, just with how it's shaping up early on.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree. Like after testing Crush, um, it the Crush cards largely feel irrelevant because you know they're they're not that big in stats. First of all, they're all kind of you know expensive with just a handful of reduction and the mill that they generate doesn't matter in the end when you have like a mill 12 on summon uh so you know i feel like what cause was just saying is you kind of just want to go to like a good card blue deck splash two three other colors we've even built six color decks and they've been actually really good um and just kind of abuse cards like mermaid and stall as long as you can and then just play mandala with like in a paler forest or something and and two turns the game's over
1: mm-hmm. yeah we went from having a well-designed blue like it all fits together nice and neat and then we had three absolutely insane blue xrs where it's just like yeah all right what's the best way to abuse these that anymore right so it's right. like such a my heart is so torn because I, I appreciate what it is again the person is like the blue main out there like i do appreciate what they do with the set but all this other stuff is just better. And uh, I'm gonna, I know we're going to talk about it later, but I want golems to be a thing. I don't think it's going to be because just tokens and floodstream meta and et cetera, et cetera. But damn, what a cool card. But I, I won't get on that before we get to the spoilers later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we will actually jump into the reveals as the last segment. And before that, uh, we'll be jumping into guess that flavor text. So to kick us off, the Chilean Grand Open just wrapped up. And North America won, <laughs> so um, which is kind of how Like I'll preface this. Um, on the face of it, uh, I actually was the one who uh, landed up to taking down the Chilean Grand Open. So it's uh, my face there. But uh, if you guys will notice in the Hall of Fame section in the uh, community discord, it, it faded in the background. Uh, there is the rest of Team NA there. So I uh, ended up traveling down to North America uh, with Alex Blandon. Uh, Anthony, Andy, uh, Daniel and Rex um, and honestly kind of like shut down most of the tournament. And for what's worth, so like Alex, myself and Daniel had arrived a day or two days prior, which kind of gave us a downtime when it came to like the Cal- like the California goon squad, uh, Rex, uh, Anthony and Andy. They showed up the morning of at like 5 a.m., came to the tournament and then peaced out at like midnight. <laughs> Yeah, that's
2: that's crazy. It's just it's like, hey guys, let's make a you know, a one day trip down to a different country, you know, and just uh you know, screw it. Let's just try to spike a grand open. Yeah. And you know, everyone made top sixteen. I think the only person who didn't make top eight was Andy. And mm-hmm. so it's you know, it's crazy. It's you know, well done. And you know, anyone who tries to discount it, it's really not that much you know, easier than a regular grand open in the States. Right. Because your last few rounds, you're still playing very good players. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's still a pretty good accomplishment
0: and, you know, well done. Yeah, no, it was a ton of fun. And I, I agree with that. Like, don't get me wrong. I do think the skill ceiling is definitely higher in other regions at the moment. And that's just because like the availability of uh, tournaments and play in Latin America are very much more restricted than other regions. So like, I'm not trying to discount anything on to that side, but at the end of the tournament, right? Like I'm playing Blandon, Daniel is playing against, like we're all kind of playing each other or against players who have up until that point gone undefeated. So there does lay some credence to that. Um, but uh, even from, yeah. from uh, round two onwards was an all-American top table effectively. Literally round two was like every single one of us were at a different chair at the top table, which was really funny. Um, and that kind of was the thematic for the, the entire tournament. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. No. I mean, that's that's really cool. And you know, it was a smaller event with probably a lower s- skill ceiling overall. But like I was saying earlier, like say in a six-round tournament, round five and six, you're playing top-level players. Whereas mm-hmm. maybe somewhere like you know, Monroeville, seven-round tournament, you might start playing top-level players like round four. That's like the only difference. I mean, other than that, like you still have to still win your matches, right? So mm-hmm. you know, it's. That was really impressive to see uh, the top eight. What five, five yeah. uh, NA players? Like, if I was a Chilean player, I, I'd be pretty
0: pissed. I think. <laughs> but- <laughs> yeah, we, we were we were informed that some half of the field hate us yeah like why are you guys here taking
2: our bandai money
1: and you think about it too right this is the end of the grand opens we have for this wave and this is a bunch of north american people who have been doing well at multiple events for this you know set and it's just like oh shit here we go now they're all showing up and they're you know constant top 16 top eight performers that are just here to take some more money again. So it's what we'd expect to see, you know, all things considered, just the top players continue to do well. This is a very skill-intensive game at the end of the day. So, uh, and we, of course, being in North America and being, you know, within our own communities, we have a bias, like, know these players because we've, we're have we seeing them at events, we're traveling with them to a lot of time. So we know how good they are, where we might not always have the visibility into other regions. But again, we will see this time and time again, I'm sure in Wave 3, or I guess, I don't remember how the regionals... Timeline lines up, but if anyone travels, I'm sure we're going to see like Alex go on another adventure. And surprise, he's probably going to top eight again. That's just he's been putting in the work and it's been doing his world tour time and time again.
0: Mm Wave three is going to be a little bit tougher uh, because we're such a tight schedule um, that actually pans out. uh, Chile is at the same time as uh, the Netherlands. I think the Netherlands Grand Open.
1: Oh, that's yeah, that's what it was. And then I I think overlap.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then Australia, I think, overlaps with Pasadena or something like that, so um, it'll be hard to... This is definitely one of the harder travel waves, for sure, just because of how many overlaps there are, and I think the only one... five grand
2: opens in three weeks, right? Like, there's Pro Tour, and then two grand opens, two grand opens, one grand open, so there's, you know, from Pro Tour on, it's, like, nonstop events for an entire month, and they all, you know, overlap.
0: Mm Mm-hmm um so it's going to be quite the push here and i think from what we were discussing daniel is the only one considering going to chile instead of the netherlands um switch so like fair and you know I'll, I'll be interested to kind of see um but even in the the latin american side you still see like consistently a lot of the same players over at top tables. so blast who actually ended up top a in the pro tour um also ended up pro tour, uh top a in this tournament Um, Alejandro is another player who not only, uh, topped the uh, Latin American tournament last time, but also actually ended up participating in the pro tour as well. So, um, and I think we were, when we were talking to them, like some, uh, five or six players from Latin America, which I thought was more than we were ever going to see, actually ended up attending the first pro tour. So hopefully get to see their faces again for the um third pro tour potentially worlds and given that there's not gonna be latin americans there realistically more invites to go around more prize money to go around for players to be able to actually travel in those events yeah did
2: did any of them say anything about going to amsterdam or no to to
0: my understanding none of them are going to the netherlands that's just like way too much of like an expenditure to to justify it so um yeah so because realistically that's probably like a trip only first and second place could justify for uh and we were going anyways (laughs) yeah (sighs) so but the the tournament was great uh tournament organizers were awesome the meta was decently diverse um and i think that's just kind of like it's funny how um you know people force themselves into creativity when accessibility isn't as easy um so we saw a lot of yellow i mean round four or it was either round four or round five my opponent who was x1 um was on uh, yellow fabled beast so like that was the thing that you saw um, but very much the top tables was dominated by it was like either Terra or Ax Spider for the most part. Um, I think if you look at Top Cut, uh, five of, of us were on Ax Spider, one of us was on Terra, one of us was on, uh, and then two Agro players, one green Agro and one white aggro, which was Rex. So um, you know, kind of what we expected, and for what it's worth, I think it's a good push for the Banless format. If anything, I think it'll at least shake up the Pro which is exciting. But the tournament went well. It was. Kind of like a mini Bandai Fest, and I'm, it's very interesting to see that, like, TOs are more open to doing that. You know, Pasadena is going to be another one of these Bandai Fests, but it was One Piece, Dragon Ball, and Battle Spirits. Um, but they did a great job of, like, staggering the start times for every round for every game, so you're not constantly fighting with, like, two different tournaments plus your own to try and get to sit down, which was kind of nice. But, uh, no, overall, it was a great time. Enjoyed it. It was one day, which I think they always push for one day in, uh, in these Latin American tournaments. Um, but Hey, when you're talking about the numbers that we had, where it's like six Swiss rounds plus a top eight, not too worried about that. So great experience, great time. Honestly, highly recommend people to, if you can find like a, a, a good flight and you have the time on the weekends to be able to fly to some of these international events. And um, they do lend themselves to like some really fun camaraderie, especially if you go with like a group of guys. So
2: yeah, I was, I was going to try to go to the Chile event actually, but I got my passport last week, so the week before Mm. the event. So the first thing I did was check tickets and it was like fifteen hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah. That's a bit. (laughs) Even with a you know some sort of price split, like it would still be not (laughs) not
0: worth it in the long run. Right. So that was the Chilean Grand Open, the final Grand Open and the final tournament for this format. So uh, to that end, yes, honestly, big claps. I'm so tired of playing. Yeah. Even just, <laughs> even just the Pro Tour format, I'm like, wow, I have space in my deck, and I'm not entirely sure what I want to do with it. Um, so you know, we get in the lore set, like you said. Uh, uh, in terms of some of the set three stuff, some of the stuff is really funny there. I think in terms of the Pro Tour, we're very much looking at like Tokiwa and Godslaying to kind of be relevant cards moving into that format, which of course the the lore set is releasing. Uh, this week for North America so get your hands on that but uh, in terms of pro tour format it is the post list format we did talk about a little bit about the impacts of those last week when we talked about the list. Um, but then I guess kind of like you know what are the predictions moving into the pro tour um, every team naturally all of us are participating in the pro tour and you know we ha- kind of have our own builds and things that we're going to test so I think there's a level of understanding that you know a lot of these things are happening behind closed doors but overall meta prediction you know purple hasn't been touched there's an argument to be said that if purple was a top tier competitive strategy in both set one and set two, and it is the color to go unscathed from these lists going into a post uh, bandless format that it is probably lining up to be one of the best strategies going into the pro tour.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, I think purple will be the most played if, if you know, nothing else. Uh, purple is a lot of, top players pet deck for lack of a better word so the fact that they get to play it now kind of unabated is uh you know probably what they're going to gravitate to uh you know it it didn't have any cards banned or anything obviously but Starblast draw is still in the game so i wouldn't say that it went unscathed but um you know it i think it will definitely be the most played deck Probably by quite a lot. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see 30% of the pro tour field be some form of purple deck.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. And I gotta say it before we get one angry comment. Technically, like, actually, the uh, depths did get banned. So, technically, yes, oh, purple yeah. did True. lose a card, Yeah,
0: in my head, depths is an who cares everything card. Because
1: they drop a cards <laughs> <laughs> otherwise. Like, you have other just fine nexus. So, yeah, yeah I gotta go. Like, yeah, it, you know,
0: depths is like uh, yeah, bad. Cards, yeah, so. in <laughs> my bad. Yeah, in my head, it's a rainbow card. I totally <laughs> that forgot that count. that's a purple card. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've already moved on to our testing. Like, oh, let's just play these other purple nexus because they're just fine, it turns out, right? And you have so many yeah. other 10,000 cards and all draw anyways so again i think it lends itself to more of the decks having flexibility with them and purple just being like it, purple's like relieved that they get to take out depths right because one you have other nexus that can fill that role a lot of times and two you just get more deck space to counter your or target i should say those other you know maybe not so great matchups so i know purple's gonna be a big winner Um, uh, and for me again at, at least high level i love tokiwa i think the card has just been fantastic i have no idea where it's going yet obviously i did well with the green deck um in Monroeville. i'm starting there at some point but uh, I just love what Tokiwa is able to do. It does have that, like, play from behind theme that they're still going to be pushing for green, it feels like. So, uh, you know, even in a set three, right? Because we talked about many of us are also, like, just testing set three for fun because it's so much more enjoyable, like, what the format is looking to be for set three that I really like where it lands in set three as well. So any excuse I can get to keep playing Tokiwa, I'm probably just going to keep playing Tokiwa decks between the Pro Tour and set three, but... um the other one, of course, is I'm sure someone's going to, you know, figure out something for Red and not looking at you or anything, uh, John and the rest of True Duelists. But uh I think there is probably some room for Red to uh to find a home somewhere uh within the meta itself.
2: Yeah, well, you know, my statement of purple being the most played deck. Like if that's true, then if say if we, for example, show up with Red as a team, then probably do well. So, you know, if we're off on the meta call, then maybe we won't do well. I don't know. But you know, I think there'll be quite a few purple decks, and I think one of the main reasons is Rotting Swamp, right? I think Rotting Swamp's probably the best nexus in the game now other than Scorch Battlefield. So, you know, those... When when you have Rotting Swamp, you can make pretty much any purple deck work. I think, you know, mid-range purple slash aggro uh, purple's pretty good. And, of course, core control, I mean... I don't think there's anything really holding that back other than Starblast Draw. So, oh, speaking of Rotting Swamp, I don't know if you can see the sign this week, but it says stop playing Rotting Swamp in your green decks. <laughs> <laughs> I, every green deck I see just has four Rotting Swamps. And as someone who has tested Rotting Swamp in green extensively, because I want it to be good, it's not.
0: Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's the idea, I think the idea is sound, right? Like, you're just constantly crashing your guys, and like, oh hey, I'll just replace them and get a draw. So it's like it. It. it you almost feel like it wants to fill the mini-depths role that it does for purple, but in the same way as green. Um, But it doesn't, unfortunately, totally play out that way.
2: Yeah, a lot of the reason is, just to expand more on that, is that you usually don't crash your guys into their things, because mm. all of your guys are huge, like, they're all 4Ks. So, A lot of times they don't trade um or die like at all uh and then if they are too small usually just pincer or thorn prison or tokiwa uh, and they don't block anyway um so it's just uh and it's it's also a really big tempo loss to play it on any turn that's not one and even if you play it on one a lot of times it's a setback because you don't have any uh reduction in play after that so I just, it just doesn't really fit into that style deck.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I I think you have to lean on like strategies that more proactively want their stuff to die on your board, which is why, like, you know, uh, like purple
2: curse. Yeah. Purple
0: curse, (laughs) which is just like, I just want to trade up the entire game. Um, Or uh, yellow, purple aristocrats. I don't know. Like, (laughs) like nemesis, right? Like, that's it. Like, people have been leaning on purple nemesis for a while now. And I think people are trying to do like Spiral Tower stuff with it now, which is kind of like an interesting way to get like infinite value, especially since um, you with red losing a bit of speed, you maybe have a little bit more time to set up lamarack loops and stuff like that. So um, that is probably the the kind of space in which uh, we can see Rotting Swamp succeed the most. Um, Past that, there's the aggro decks, right? White aggro is still going to be white aggro. Green aggro is still going to be green aggro. Um, And those decks are kind of line up to still kind of do what they're going to do. Uh, Rex. Did This man, like, the fastest games I've ever seen. Like, fastest top 8 match I had ever seen where he just, like, five minutes and it was over. (laughs) So, um, you know, those aggro decks definitely can still get there. I think for what it's worth, if you're prepared for them, it's not as bad because, like, Dragon Halberg and stuff like that can definitely be great tools against those strategies. Um, But those decks are still there. So I think uh, while there is a... If anything, the meta is opening up, I don't think we're seeing large swath changes like the same way set 3 is going to be. But it's the kind of room where it's worth at least testing once again what's going to be there because there's room for innovation to at least kind of change up how certain matchups get played out and at least have space for other strategies to at least kind of bake in their niche a little bit more. Right. Like how does how does green mid rate, especially with Tokiwa, you know, like you can just be a canyon deck that happens to play Tokiwa. You can also just be the green deck that happens to just play Tokiwa naturally. So kind of what shell fits in best with that. Um, I think there's more room for like Beldegor Loops deck, but of course those get punished with starless Draw, which means red probably has a niche. Um, do you go big, right? Like does Nova have room again? Probably because Axe Spider is gone, which means you lose the thing that, you know, you literally stops your entire strategy off Helm. So um, I think there's a lot in terms of like where the Proto can go. And I think it, I don't, I'm not, all that far off base when i'm saying you know you could look at an odd seven different strategies off rip that could be contenders for at least a good spot in the pro tour and then you know even beyond that if we want to include yellow maybe there's like nine who knows but
2: (laughs) yeah yeah like the way i kind of tier the decks right now and i know people have their own lists of what they think is viable but to me personally like i feel like there's three cards that kind of define the game right now in a post-ban world there's scorched battlefield rotting swamp and nomad city and they're all four cost nexuses so i think any deck you play probably has to be built around or include one of those three cards unless you're like some sort of like green aggro or white aggro deck um you know Mm. canyon is like another nexus that you know could be probably included in those four cost nexuses but uh those are the pillars for any deck so those are like the tier one decks and then everything else are the decks that aren't playing those cards and uh you know i think that the pro tour you know every deck in the top eight top 16 will probably have four of at least one of those nexuses so they're all
0: pretty format defining so you know, I think the big thing that we talked about a lot with Depths was the fact that every deck had to have four Burning Force, and, you know, even to that level, maybe a couple of vultures, if you're in red, Nexus Hazards, what have you, to be able to deal with the card because of how centralizing it is to the game. Um, you know, and and I've been saying this because I know a lot of people, a lot of people have been, like, throwing, like, zero Burning Force into their decks, and if you're a more tempo-oriented deck, I could totally see that because you kind of don't care about dealing with your board, you're just trying to, like, you know, present lethal to your opponent, but is there, like, is i refuse to not have at least like two burning forces in my deck because i'm like i don't want my purple opponent to go wild with swamps right yeah
2: i don't think and this this might be a hot take i don't know but uh i think ferraro slash is wildly underplayed right now like it's one mana cheaper than burning force and like i i mean i know it kills one fewer guy but the fact that you can burst it as a complete blowout to kill like a rotting swamp a scorched, something else and a spirit is is huge that's like game defining right there and uh i think we've all been kind of not brainwashed per se but just kind of stuck in our ways that all right burning force is the way and there's no other card like you know, Ferraro Slash is incredibly good right now. And and my limited testing with it, it's just been incredible. No, I definitely agree. And
1: you kind of just mentioned the exact reason why, right? It's like we shifted from something that was depths plus other Nexus to, mm-hmm. oh, now all the good Nexus that are trying to build their decks around are 4 costs. Like we gotta give the honorable mention to Blessed Cathedral because it's just there somewhere, and it's still a very strong Nexus for when it's able to run away with yeah. the game. Yeah. And that is also getting hit by Ferrari slash or Feral Slash is the proper name. So it's one of those cards that I think a lot of us now have to reevaluate and seeing that, as you mentioned, yes, it's going to be insanely strong when you get to high roll that burst, because chances are, when it's early enough, and of course, if you have the reductions for red, you're going to be able to hit their key nexus piece and kill something. So, getting that two for one, your opponent anytime time is always a uh, welcomed uh, trade in your favor, and Pharaoh Slash definitely fills that role very nicely as the meta has evolved yeah. where it is post-bans.
2: And, I mean, no one's going to play around it, right? Like, you, you set a burst like turn two or whatever, and they're going to think it's dream bomb or they're going to think it's star Blast, or they're going to think it's like an early ice shield. And then you're like, Oh, here's this Faro slash. And then, you know, your opponents like, Oh, okay. Now they're way behind. So, mm-hmm.
0: um, because the burst is take a damage, right? Yeah. Yep. Loss mm-hmm. of life. Yep. Yeah. A-
2: easiest burst.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I think a hundred percent has more utility there. And I think that's my biggest thing is just, the fact that it does not mean that depths isn't around that we can disrespect Nexus's. They still present a huge amount of advantage. Um, and purple is still one of those things where, like, how do you win the purple mirror? You be the purple deck who can hold up a Nexus, right? Like it's Yeah. It, you're the one who can keep drawing cards, who cannot run out of gas. Um, you know, and it's a huge tempo swing if say like White can't play a guard on turn two because you decide to get rid of the Nexus, and then you win in. Right. So I think those kinds of things hugely sway the matchup. And I, I, I 100% agree with John that, like, they're pivotal, and I think people should be respecting nexuses, regardless of the fact that we're not playing against depths, because we were respecting nexuses before that, and it doesn't mean that, like, depths is gone that we shouldn't.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, there's still no great answers, or, like, a turn one scorch mm-hmm. because you still lose tempo either way, but you know, Slash being one less core than Burning Force, you can actually play it early and still do other things, you know, to, to kill a Rotting Swamp or a Naman City or a Blessed Cathedral. Um, you know, the only things that doesn't hit that might be relevant would be, like, Red Rock Fortress and some purple decks, maybe, and then if the green decks, if they ever decide to play the uh, uh, Great Wood Castle Keep, I mean, you mm-hmm. know, and even not killing those, I don't think it's a huge deal, but... I think Slash is pretty good right
0: now. Yeah, I think it's a good spot, especially since those nexuses are like four ofs and all of those quote unquote best strategies anyways. So I think there's definitely a world in which you have to consider them, uh, at least at some number, um, especially just because being able to do it for free is such a like tempo swing on your side that you're able to just like kind of fully go in from that point on and still have some safety net So uh, because you're not committing all your cores to trying to destroy it for a turn. So 100% um Definitely do recommend Frost Slash, uh, Alex Blanded. I think if you'd like to return my fourth copy, whenever you want, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, my,
1: my two core drinks all red. Why would you give this by? Oh, my oh and, my, and,
0: my, and my two flame fishes.
1: <laughs> <sighs> oh, yeah, I, I will say a thing that I really appreciate. And again, this is probably just like it's very early in you know Pro Tour testing, and set three will have some shake up as well. But like. I've been finding that the burst zone just matters so much more now. Like it used to be just straight okay, it's ice shield, dream bomb, or star blessed depths or star blessed draw, uh, and you could kind of know which one it was, right? But now it feels like there's much more variety into it and how. Yes, it's if it's early enough, you can generally gauge it's not absolute ice shield, but then it's still going to be one of very three real options depending on what you're playing against. Again, dream bomb, star blessed draw, or feral slash, and you have to respect that. And it's only going to be better as we go on, where it's going to come down to like is it bluffing is it you know what type of blowout do my opponent think that i'm going to play into and how do i pivot around it so when will we get burst interaction who knows but i at least appreciate that the burst zone is more of a decision point at least again very early on in testing and then we'll see how things shake up with set three
2: yeah yeah no absolutely
0: Dude, nothing sucks more than playing around a starblast draw the entire game that was actually a nice shield like that is <laughs> like when you're talking about mind games dude or like um where rowan at um i think it was tulsa where he um got rid of his burst blessed draw to put down another blessed draw <laughs> which then forced i think it was zach he was playing against to finally go into it allowing him to draw four cards like i th- those kinds of mind games are always such a good time
2: <laughs> yeah and you know things like that they only work against really good players right because if you set a burst early a good player is going to play around it right so mm. That's when you can just get them with like, okay, I'm gonna set this ice shield turn two, because I don't have starblast draw and now they can't really play the game, right? But I think someone who's uh less experienced, I mean, I'm not gonna say bad, but maybe they're less experienced, uh, they probably wouldn't pick up on that and they just ram their win summons anyway. But you know, I think at a pro tour level, you can really get someone with the mind games. That's
0: that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think card games are at their peak when it's not just about the text on the cards, but it's about the way in which you sequence things or in the way you put traps or baits that force the opponent to it's the playing around of the game that becomes kind of like the metagame, right? Like everyone, everyone knows what the cards do. You're never going to gotcha someone because they have like, say, like a, a theft in their hand. And you didn't know what theft was, right? Like you made a, a concerted. Decision that this play is probably bad into theft because I'm actually playing against three or four other things instead, right? And then if they have it, they have it, but it's not like, oh my God. Whereas here it's like, okay, well, what's the burst now, right? And how badly do I get punished if it's actually this or that? Where it's always funny because it's those, like you said, those kinds of strategies won't work as much against people who aren't as seasoned in the game because they'll just go through it. And that, <laughs> that's why you kind of have to like mold your the way you play to kind of player level at some level. And I'm not saying like, hey, like disrespect your opponent's skill level, but it's just like the same tricks that work between us playing each other aren't going to work against someone who's just slamming cards and going in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you
1: have to read your player, your opponent. That's the same skill across all TCGs, just again, be it bluffing, be it trying to understand where they're coming from. There's a lot of strategies involved just, you know, playing the game and then also being able to read your opponent to some degree.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So with that said, that is kind of like our kind of top level. Uh, Talk about the Pro Tour as we get closer to the Pro Tour. Um, Of course, I'm sure we'll have a couple of more discussions there. But, of course, we're, uh, to some degree, all have some little level of spikeness to us. We are traveling uh, far and wide to participate in the Pro Tour. So, if anything, um, I do believe it's going to be streamed. So, you guys definitely want to keep your eyes out for kind of the stream link there. And uh, kind of watch onwards and see where we all landed when it comes to figuring out uh, the format. And hopefully, uh, we can... Some of us can typically take it home, right? We can all perform. That would be best. But moving onwards, we do have a guess that flavor text. So fun little game that we include in the podcast where I will be providing our apostles a piece of flavor text. They can try and guess what that card is alongside two lifelines of which uh, one is the family type and then secondary is the cost. So far, our boys have been pretty good. It hasn't taken them too much to kind of get there. So hopefully we'll be able to get another solid guess this time around. Gentlemen, are you guys ready?
2: I am ready for this. I'm I so oh, far Lord. up on cause right now.
1: Yeah, I because I read the lore, but then don't remember what card it's attached to. Yeah. I read the lore of each set, but I am so bad at flavor text, I'm starting to realize.
0: All right, so we have, The Realm of Flame is obstructed by volcanic fumes, leaving many areas largely unexplored. Undiscovered clans are thought to be numerous. Mm. This,
2: this feels I'm like an actually This feels like a nexus. Are there any nexuses with flavor text? No: there's
0: no not, there's, not. Which for what it's worth, Bandai, there's so much room on nexuses. <laughs> Just put yeah. flavor text on those and then provide us SPR nexuses <laughs> I had, had to think for a second, but no, there's no nexus with flavor text. More uh, magic. It's always on the or magic. yeah. <laughs> definitely a spirit. This might be a blue card it's got to be <laughs> red right I definitely uh, can
1: tell you it's red <laughs> it feels like there's no um, you know it's not like the emperor beast protecting their land there's also no cues to it either because usually you know star dragons being the police we have emperor beast protecting their land stuff like that there's just nothing nothing here <laughs> uh, to go off of
2: this has got to be got to be like a dragonoid
0: <laughs> I don't know all right, I'm I'm ready for the first hint. Yeah, I'm ready as well. All right, so the family type is actually Emperor Beast.
2: It is an Emperor Beast, okay. Uh, uh hmm. I don't know the the first thing that pops into my head is like the two drop like Fox Emperor Beast Firefox thing. I can't, uh, can't, can't think oh, of its name. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, like it's got one reduction. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, But I don't know. I'm I'm still blanked.
2: No,
1: unfortunately, this is not my not my week to recover either. Apparently, (laughs) again, spoiler: I'm not a red player. I I don't know if anyone (laughs) knew that or anything, but I don't spend a lot of time looking at red
0: cards. (laughs) Uh, uh, All right, then for your last hint, it is a forecast. Forecast Emperor Beast.
1: there's so many janky ones at four cost
0: it is so, quite a it is a flooded cost just, number that is for sure
2: my my guess this is anything i have because i was looking at it earlier and i don't even know what the flame text or the flavor text says but the forecast uh vag or whatever his name is
0: uh yeah yeah yeah. The, like chonky is even yep, that's flavor, the uh, yeah uh,
2: he, he has lots of flavor text, I think. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah, this is a longer one. one. I can tell yeah. you that.
0: much. All right. So, Kaz, what's your guess? Uh,
1: the, only, the only one I know is because I did it in a video is LampGuard, right? The, from set three. But I don't think you'd pick a set three one. So I have, I have actually uh, no right.
0: idea. So, gentlemen. The Realm of Flame is obstructed by volcanic fumes, leaving many layers unexplored. Undiscovered clans are thought to be numerous. Is the flavor text of Blazing Boar? Blazing oh. boar. Yeah. Oh, what a cutie. What <laughs> I
1: never would have gotten
0: that. <laughs> so um a little bit weird that they talk about undiscovered clans when Emperor Beast is probably one of the more defined clans, uh, in terms of kind of what happens in Bowser. But I mean for what's worth Cosmic, you know. Isn't this card in the demo decks? I feel like you've probably seen this card for like months I, and I months. <laughs>
1: I have, dude, I, as someone who did literally 100 demo games, I have burned that out of my brain. It's the ball <laughs> I never want to see the red demo deck again for as long as I live. And there's still a stack of them in the back of my car from the road tour for crying out loud. So... <laughs> <laughs> if anyone in the states needs them, I got gotcha. you. I got a fifty or so left in there, probably. Good
0: lord! Mm-hmm. Honestly, a card that's not terrible, right? Like it, it it's it's a tutor from your draw up, which can kind of have its services. And I know a lot of novadex tend to like to use it to be able to fetch things they pitch off Canyon. So,
2: yeah, hmm. yeah, Blazing Board is cool. I mean, it's it's pretty cool to get back like a Rex, and then already have two reduction for Rex. uh But it was played a little bit in the last Chile Open. Uh, uh, Ian Bremont, right? He had two two Blazing Boars mm-hmm. in his uh yep. Sword deck. So it, it's not bad. I just don't think it's great. Mm-hmm. Opening
1: yourself up to Star Blast Draw obviously is always going to feel bad, but I like it as just a random one of and a lot of like the more mid-range red list because sometimes obviously you're going to have Volcanic Canyon. You just have to discard something early because the rest of your hand is just garbage and then at least maybe at some point that Blazing Boar is going to pop up so you can get it back from your trash. So there's definitely something there at least with the uh, volcanic Canyon side of things, but I really wish it had a couple more reduction. Probably would be too good because then, obviously, you're reducing the cost of looping stuff
0: back, but at least one more pip. That's all we could have asked for. Mm-hmm. It, it On that topic, it does definitely feel like there's a lot of cards that like would be able to get there if it was just for like that one more pip, right? Like um, Smag, which I understand is balancing there between the fact that there's rainbow, but if you had like one pip, right? And I don't know if Battle Spirits does rainbow pips, but I imagine they do at some point. So... Um, they it, just added them fun fact <laughs> oh there you go yeah,
1: after 16 years <laughs> it was a limited set so rainbow reductions are a thing
0: mm-hmm. so i i think those are things that would go a long way but talking about uh, cards and pips and kind of where they would go uh we'll be jumping into the last of the reveals for set three so thankfully we weren't slow drip the xrs we actually did get all of them um, which was very sick. They're slow dripping the SPRs, but that's okay. It's pretty art We get to enjoy uh, kind of those as we go through uh, the last couple of weeks. And then hopefully maybe TP cards come soon. So where we dropped off last week uh, were magics. Um, so looking over here now, they're actually all on BSSDB. So once again, thank you to Bloody Malice for putting them on there extremely early. So now if you guys want to deck build and mess around with set three, you guys can do so on that website. Um, in terms of things we see here, uh, nothing insane right i think um plant trap we had already seen previously um in due to the fact that it's a collab promo the so five cost to green reduction burst when your opponent resolves a when summon your opponent selects two of their refresh spirits and exhaust them so kind of a thorn prison on that part that has an additional activate uh main or flash you get to select the spirit cost five or more if it's green refresh it if it's not green exhausted so kind of like beefy thorn prison um a little bit more limited in its usages but does can be more blowouty depending on the wind summons. Um, I think it's fine. I think it's good. I like the fact that um, it's almost um, like a regain for your green spirits if you don't need it for its thorn prison abilities, which I think are kind of neat.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I think Plant Trap's good. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, out of all these spells on the screen, I think Plant Trap and Strong Draw are probably the only ones that'll see, uh, you know, any considerable play. Uh, Some of the blue ones might see some niche play here and there but uh, you know for the most part i think that it's just uh well of course floodstreams there too but we already know about that one <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. i'm a little bit biased towards the uh break spell which i forget the full name but just the versatility of it and it reminds me a lot of like because you're going to be in a blue heavy deck it reminds me a lot of fatal push from to make the magic comparison mm-hmm. because with the full board it's going to cost you just one uh, and you do have that flash flexibility to destroy a three cost or less you know doesn't don't care how big it is, right? Um, and just having that flexibility for that because at the same time, you're going to be wanting to play this in those stall out kind of mill decks that we mentioned. And then late game, it just turns into, oh, I just need three or four more mill. And then you suddenly get this. You can just hold off, get the mill, combo with Mandala because it's cheap enough. And then you go, sorry, opponent, I just hit you for like, you know, 16
2: in a turn. Good game. So, yeah, you know, that that's a great point. I mean, I, I think Break Burst is pretty cool too. I don't think in the long run... It'll be needed, but I think it is a pretty solid card. Mm-hmm. So I you know, could see some play here and there.
0: Yeah. My biggest thing with blue is specifically things like that. Like where is the room for the niche mill, right? Like it's, so yes, yeah. we got Mandela that like can hit those thirteens or however many number. I always forget like 12, 12 is it 16 on and then yeah. four more off uh, pitching a crush, or, or yeah. a crush exactly. card. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's, it's so those are great Uh, so like that you know is obviously your main win con is like how much do we need to supplement supplement that and crash strategy is going to be the spirits and it's like okay well do we just do blitz because hey I can get like a rip an extra five or whatever or use the nexus that rips a couple on one summons right so
2: it's just well you know going back to the the mill card and kill a 3k it was called burst something
0: Break uh, break burst break
2: burst yeah there is something to be said for non interactive mill Right, mm-hmm. because every other mill card is uh, well, that's not Mandela, is uh, Crush, right? So, Crush makes you attack. So, something like this, you know, you can just sit back, not attack, not worry about it, just mill three cards guaranteed. Um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're chunking 12, 15, 16 at a time with Mandela, uh, you know, those extra three cards might mean winning the game
0: on the spot. Mm-hmm yeah exactly so it's like i think uh is it magic wrench that rips four off the opponent's side so like there's a lot of these different options that you can kind of consider to kind of like wrap around the strategy now in a control shell does that matter maybe not because maybe mandala is all you really need but i do agree with break at least it has that flexibility of also being removal so you could add in a control shell mm-hmm. and then it just like doubles as being able to proc something off i mean blue is like so incredibly anti-aggro and like I've seen people on the Discord talk about how they're blue and struggling against aggro, and I don't. This must be like again the type of battle spirits that other people play that I'm not playing because I don't understand how that mm-hmm. comes together when you've got tools like uh, chained arena and you know floodstream. Yeah,
2: like like your deck's probably poorly built, which makes sense early on for blue decks. Your deck's yep. probably just poorly built um, if you're struggling against a mm-hmm. you know like an aggro deck. Um, but blue of all the colors does have the tools to quite easily handle any sort of like early aggression uh where you start getting into trouble is the mid game when they start playing like four Mm or five six drops um because then it's a little bit harder to you know kill them i know that we have that uh i think he's a six cost with two reduction that kills their highest cost card but from my experience with testing blue like I never want to attack my opponent. Like, mm-hmm. ever. It's like the ultimate, like, I'm core-starving you, I'm taxing you with these, you know, arenas. Like, you're never getting a core from me. And then you just win by you know, playing your, Mandela. You know, Mandala. Yeah,
0: yeah I, um, I definitely think, especially given, like, some of the XRs we've seen have lent themselves to that strategy a lot. And it's crazy how much the XRs changed our whole perceptions about the entirety of the set, which we're actually just about to see now um, especially yeah, since they kind of like bring around the strats
2: that's a great segue right into them because uh three of them for blue are quite spectacular
0: mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah the, so one yeah. quick final shout out for me for the magics though yeah, muscle fair. charge <laughs> Flavor wise is probably my favorite magic card, and it's I, I, the coolest I start, ha- have to yeah. say, it's <laughs> like, here, here's this ultimate eight pack, respect me. <laughs> I, I, I just love that card.
1: I but, very uh, much appreciate the very selective uh censoring of what's being covered in each of them. So, <laughs> yeah. very, very interesting placement there. Love that. Uh, R- that's your elbow, or are you just happy yep. to see me? <laughs>
0: um but yeah so to that front we can now jump over hit that rarity and hit the x's um so we got a little bit of everything um the way that panned out is uh, every color got two besides blue that got four um now at first for what it's worth art amazing i think across the board they're really sick to all look at and the spr is even more so um I will say, though, when we got the first half of the reveal, it was red through to white. And it was a little bit of like, okay, maybe not too sure how to feel about this. Some are cool. Like, I love Genbu. I think he's super cool. I think Red Queen being the panharmonicon I was asking for. Super cool. I still don't think it makes the Yellow Sanctuary any good. But like, hey, (laughs) the fact that it deserves as cool, you know, Nocturne is sweet. So I guess we can kind of touch base on those first few because I think afterwards for green and blue it kind of like completely hit it out of the park in terms of like where we thought power level was going to be for the format so um like i personally said kicked off i really enjoyed genbu myself uh, eight cost four yellow reduction uh turtle that we'd been reading about in the lore text uh on levels one two and three during your attack steps at the start of steps like one of your other fable B spirits it cannot be blocked by your opponent's spirits with effects listed during this turn which like surprise surprise that's like most spirits that are played in the game uh, and then during your tech step on levels two and three, when, when your Fable Beast Spirits is destroyed by your opponent's like when your Fable Beast Spirits and refresh it. So I think this is kind of just exactly what Fable beasts needed, right? It always felt like P- Fable beasts you were playing it because they just happen to sometimes be unblockable and they'll draw you cards every single time they're played, but it never really felt like the top end existed to bring it all together. And I do fact that they really doubled down on like, hey, unblockables, you'll get your Bless triggers, you'll get your Bless procs. That like Genbu feels, you know, playability, you, you know, where Yellow's playability aside, I think it's been nice to kind of have like a something to put a bow on fable beast which it felt like it was missing for a while. Yeah, yeah. this um- yeah, really sorry, Yeah,
1: the one thing that I have is my yellow fable, <laughs> right? Uh, so like this one's really interesting because again, we have now both sides of it where Hippo Campo and Dual Eagle have been doing a lot of the heavy lifting, all things considered. and obviously, they've been good because of Bless. Dual Eagle can make it unblockable, and then we're playing Paradise. Gembu now puts your opponent in a very awkward situation where you make the Dual Eagle unblockable, right? That's going to connect. And then you attack with your campo, who is already going to be selective in what they can block with. And then if they answer it, now the dual eagle is coming back and getting you another plus trigger. So the fact that we actually care so much about both sides of this card really makes it feel like, hey, we don't have to pay- play Phantom Beast King limb anymore just to get the extra, oh, cheat them down to level one. And then your, you know, dual eagles and hippos can get there. So I think overall, very, very solid, very happy that Fable Beast kind of got its key spirit that it's been wanting for so long because now it also just gives us more flexibility. Yes, you're still going to be in the Fable Beast package, but spoiler, you want to be anyways because of your paradise. And we did get a couple, you know, Vanilla's and two costs to like round out the rest of the deck. So finally in a better spot overall from like, I'm happy to put these Fable Beast in the deck sort of thing. And if we get any good two drop in set four, I will just be absolutely ecstatic.
2: Yeah, I mean, I i agree with about everything that you just said i i mean i'm not high on this guy because i don't think this deck is ever going to be good (laughs) unfortunately um but this card is solid i mean he's reasonably costed you know four reductions a lot uh he's easy to maintain at one two and four cores uh, i don't love that this giant turtle carrying a castle on his back is a 5k at level one in <laughs> the but i mean it is what it is right but you can't have everything i think that this is a good compliment to god beast and like mm. this style deck so now you have unblockable coming from multiple angles between genbu god beast dual eagle um you know the the handful of two drops that you already play with like freestyle and maybe the uh what marty bunny or whatever um so you know it's it's solid uh, you know can it ever beat red probably not can it be purple like maybe i don't think this card really helps you beat purple um we got so, harpy
1: nest i'll take it but yeah
2: yeah so it's it's fine you know it's a solid card it's not doesn't mm. blow me away but they they could have done much worse
0: yeah um, in general, I think yellow was like more interesting. I think in terms of yellow, it's like it still doesn't present itself as a strategy that's like an off face value tier one, but they definitely fleshed out the archetypes in a way that kind of made it fun to talk about. Other landers got like a bajillion cards, um, so they all play into each other now. Yep. You got cards that like stack each other, like we saw previously, but now we have uh, Empress Guardian, Red Queen, six cost, three uh, yellow reductions, uh, one summon select one of your opponent's spirits, reduces BP by duke, which kind of you don't care about, uh, but has the during your main step when one of your other lander spirits is summoned. Uh, you may exhaust one of your topaz sanctuary Nexus to activate one of the spirits when summon effects a second time. So she's effectively a panharmonicon for your other landers, depending on how many sanctuaries you got. Now, unfortunately, this deck needs to run sanctuaries. Um, and, you know, it's very restricted to the main phase, which means that like your joker on swings won't be able to get double procs or anything like that. But um, I think the fleshing out of a lot of strategies is kind of what we're getting with some of the cards here, which I appreciate at the very least.
2: Yeah, you know, the more that I look at this card, the more I think it's terrible. <laughs> and you know, maybe that's uh far off from what other people think. I think it's a cool card. Like I i love it like thematically, the art's super cool. Like this card is like A plus for me from like a design standpoint. Uh from a playability standpoint, like it's expensive for what it does. Uh it's super small, like three, four, and six K is like that's like dog water stats for, you know, of course that's kind of yellow in a nutshell, but uh, you know it, it has a wind summon uh, so you just get crushed by starbluster all um like I just you know I, I don't love this card from like the spike side of me but mm-hmm. the other side that's you know maybe like a more timmy you know, casual player like i'll I'll play this card to local every week I, I, I just don't think it'll ever see like the big stage.
1: So. yeah red is always going to pick on yellow i mean that's just yeah. such a you know non-starter for like when you play yellow you just accept that's what's going to happen um and not only her having a win summon like the entire other lander deck is yeah, deck. you are playing 30 when summons the deck mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. star bless is going to eat you alive what is interesting though is based on like as long as you summon her at level two it is a 4k removal assuming you have topaz sanctuary right to, to yeah. get to it's the whole like why does like skull lion or whatever the d- deadly balance on a body is it's like oh we have these removals attached to a body that have to be over or very low bp and that just feels really bad but again from a spike standpoint it's all failed beast and even that's like not there yet but what i can really appreciate that we didn't really have in set one or even in set two we have really been missing a deck that plays well into itself or like The new player can go, hey, I'm just going to jam all of these creature types into my deck, and this is my key spirit that I'm going to resolve. And all of the other Lander cards play very well together. There's a very clear design effort to bring the entire deck together and like the penton that lets you loop it back to the top the Humpty Dumpty that's drawing you extra cards like it's very flavorful it's very fun and I think the game just desperately needed more decks like that because you know at locals it's really meant to have fun and obviously we don't want to have a whole set that falls flat kind of like it did in parts of set two but it's nice to see something that is fun to look at fun to play and hopefully can get players excited about like oh, if I like this, but now I want to be a little more competitive, what else does yellow have if you want to stay into that, like, battle trick and BP reduction style of play, but, you know, probably get some more other lander support in set four if I had to take a guess, and we might get another X-ray for it, but, yeah, I'm very excited to sleeve this up at locals and, and, again, just have fun with it because it's so fun to just, like, get those high roll moments with Charles where suddenly like, oh, Charles comes into play, gets a win summon, exhaust by Topaz, get another win summon, and just get to start this entire like domino effect because you were able to sequence and set up a board that's going to reward you for it. Now, is that reward good enough compared to the rest of the field? Probably not, but hey, at least you had fun uh, getting there. And I think that's something that I can definitely appreciate from an overall design
0: standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's the thing for me. Otherlanders feels like one of the most cohesive family types that we've gotten in a while and it's very nice to very like it's like don't get me wrong i love the complexities of battle spirits and the fact that like because of the way that the core system works you can be very generic with your deck builds and throw a little bit of color into everything but it's nice yeah. that like you know you can build it, it it's nice that there are decks out there that are easy to build easy to throw together and just like this is what this deck does you know and viability aside it's just you know it it's these kinds of things that need to exist in the ecosystem of a card game to make it easier for new players to pick up and kind of want to keep running with it so yeah you know one of my favorite
2: things about this and it's kind of ironic is that like the other lander deck is like the ultimate like win summon deck like you said right but like the best other lander is probably alice and like she just doesn't work in this deck right because she doesn't have a win summon so (laughs) It's like, oh, I got Alice. Now I just have Alice. Mm-hmm.
0: I think I, I think she's like oh. your final payoff, right? Because the idea is that mm-hmm. like you free play all these bajillion spirits. You like you right. play Charles, you play Charles twice with Queen, which means you play two things. Odds are, maybe you play another Charles off of that. Play, play, play. They're mm-hmm. all four, five, and six drops, which means odds are once you have one of each on board, you're always getting at least a hit. And then the idea is that your payoff is that you swing and she next for like ten thousand, right? Like yeah. I think that's the yeah. idea. Yeah,
2: it's it's just kind of funny that like all these cards trigger more when summons Mm -hmm. known this, and then like you just have alice that's like okay i'm gonna stop the chain now but yeah
1: you know it's still cool Mm -hmm. well don't forget there was another alice in japanese battle spirits as well so that could be the set (laughs) (laughs) for the Alice.
0: (laughs) yeah um so to not dig too much time into kind of these other spirits and we'll i'll give like a a quick rough two seconds of all of them and then we can kind of talk about any specific ones you guys want to before because odds are we're going to be talking about every single green and blue one um, in kind of finer detail because they're just that impactful um for purple we have viper dragon swan phalong um which uh when destroyed by your opponent your opponent selects one of their refreshed spirits you get to remove three quarters from it and place them in the reserve it has curse and then when when your serpent spirits attacks you may select one of your opponent's exhausted spirits and your serpent spirit attacks it uh, you have Nocturna, which is a seven cost, three purple reduction. And uh, when it attacks, it has curse. When destroyed, select two of your opponent's spirits, remove one core from each of these spirits and place them in the reserve. And then you get to ramp by one for each spirit that that destroyed. And then when the spirit attacks, you may exhaust one of your Amethyst Sanctuary Nexuses to select a spirit card with curse from your trash and summon it. Going on to red, we've got Blaze Lion Colmane, eight cost, holy six red reduction, Emperor Beast. On levels 1, 2, and 3, when the Spirit attacks, during your turn, the Spirit gains 2k BP for every Spirit you control. And during your end step, at the start of the step, draw cards until you have 3 cards in your hand. Then we've got the Ancient Guardian, Trident Dragon. 7 costs 3 red reduction, Ancient Dragon. On level 1, 2, and 3, it's got Flash Awaken. On level 2 and 3, during your attack step, at the start of step, place 2 cores from your trash that aren't the soul core onto this Spirit for every Ruby Sanctuary you control. And then when it attacks, you get to Board Wipe, up to 6k total BP. And finally, moving on to White a Sleepless Guardian of Frost Tiger 7 cost 3 White Reductions during your opponent's attack step. This spirit can block your opponent's spirits without a soul core on them, even if it's exhausted. So it's like forever suppressioned on everything except a soul core. When the spirit blocks, it gains 1k, so you get that uh rocket city effect as well. And then on level 2 during your attack step, uh, you get to choose uh spirits that have when the spirit blocks for each diamond sanctuary you have, and they can't be blocked by your opponent's spirits that cost six or fewer. And finally, Snowcapped Peak Goddess Scotty is a nine cost four white reduction ice princess on level one two and three if you control a spirit with a soul core on it your opponent can only select a spirit with a soul core on it when using effect select one of your spirits uh which kind of apparently will have some funny implications if you throw it on someone with armor and then like you can kind of like block someone out of using their stuff which is pretty jokes on levels two and three she has armor white and on level three during your opponent's end step at the start of the step return all your opponent's exhausted spirits to their hand um so all have cool utility at the very least they all have text um, but do any of them speak to you guys in terms of like things to maybe look out for?
1: Not
2: good. Cause I'll start.
1: Okay. So for me, I absolutely love Scotty. That's like the big one for me. Cause coming from like a green white, you know, ramp and exhaust strategy, just the idea of having this big payoff that can suddenly bounce your entire opponent's entire board. Like they try to attack and then just say, okay, I'm sorry to do this to you. Here's a thorn prison, Eat your entire board back to your hand it's probably going to win you on the spot. But the thing is, it's a nice princess, so it doesn't work with, like, the Fortress Gnomengard City. Like, there's no way to cheat the reduction for this. So it definitely feels like a big, heavy payoff that is flavorful in what it wants to be doing and also just has a very solid effect. So I think uh, there's something to be said about all the Guardians because, again, I really appreciate the whole, like, building the payoff, give something fun to play at locals. But for something that's going to hopefully let a new archetype shine through. And again, just being like white green control and what that might look like. I think Scotty has a really good chance of getting there for it. Or again, if we just have some like Gale units in there, if we want to, um to be at the unaggressive or not the Gale, but um needle shots, Right. I was, I was thinking of a tap effect, right? But needle shot, thorn presence, things like that mm-hmm. to really heavily tax your opponent and punish them for attacking.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think that this one's very interesting I don't know how good it is but the the effects powerful which is what you'd expect from a nine cost card just currently like i I don't see any reason to play it over enterprise um I don't see uh you know any reason I don't I just don't see any deck for it right now uh you know i I think that out of the red purple yellow and White X rares, the ones that I'm most excited for are probably uh, the yeah she Mommy. she's cool. I mean, I do like her. Uh, Colmain's actually been better than I gave him credit for. At first, I thought he's probably one of the like the worst X rares mm-hmm. of the bunch, but there's actually some really cool decks you can build around them and just be able to empty your hands super fast and then draw back up to three. Uh, he's pretty cheap to play, uh, you know. Like, like, despite being in eight cost, um, uh, I don't think anyone would get mad at me for spoiling this from the team, but we we've been testing some weird decks with uh, uh, ancient fault, which counts as a two red reduction on the nexus with a pretty cool level two ability, uh, hmm. with Colmain, and it's actually been pretty sweet. Um, so he's pretty cool. The mini Nova is interesting as well uh i i think the purple serpent is probably pretty cool with like rotting swamp uh so there there's a lot of cool cards i don't know if they're like tier one this card's awesome you should always play it but i think that these are wildly better than like set two stuff Mm -hmm. right Set two, we can look at these cards and be like, okay, these cards are not playable. There's no deck for them. Like, why do they exist? Set three ones, we're like, okay, maybe they're not broken tier one cards, but there's uses for all of them. Yep. So and, and that's that's exciting. That's what might sell the set. So kind of have to see where it lands. Yeah, mm. but those, those are cool. And mm. then, you know, leading into green, uh, I've probably tested these more than you guys so i'll just get and start like both these green x-rays have been exceptional um you know the the plant is incredibly good mostly because of the green sanctuary is probably one of the best ones um but the six cost gale guy has just been crazy uh jaeger yeah he's he's been nuts um the the gale deck with highlands has just been unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not really a Gale deck. I think the only Gale cards that we were playing were like Jaeger, um like Tokiwa. One, yeah Tokiwa, like one or two of the five drop uh with the mouth on our back, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh and then one other, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 10 yeah. drop. There's like three 10 drops. I see people only playing like one of the 10 drop because they're like oh man it costs 10. Like and if you're playing Highlands, you need like two or three of that card because that is your win condition. Like it's, it's usually like, uh, you know, play yourself early, work your stuff early, Worker Ant Man, Emory you know, whatever, Highlands, obviously. And then uh, like five drop Tokiwa into the ten drop or the six drop into the ten drop. And there's like no way you're ever losing the game. So mm-hmm. he's been really impressive.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, so I'll actually read out the card and then kind of go into a little bit of details. Yeah. Uh, Black Huntsman Shat- Shatten Jaeger has a 6 cost, 3 green reduction blade beast on levels 1, 2, and 3 when the spirit attacks Gale 2. Um, on level 2 and 3, during your attack step, when one of your spirits with Gale, other than Black Huntsman Jaeger, reduces your opponent's life, refreshes the spirit. And on level 3, refresh the spirit when your opponent uses one of their effects to draw a card. Um, so being a six drop lines up incredibly well against flood and you know how you were talking about earlier kind of like white's issue with dealing like bigger bodies and like why gale like why the gale deck is reading incredibly well part of that is because your gale deck actually lines up really well against what blue's trying to do you can apply pressure if you got fang you're able to deal like big double damage or whatever the heck so it's just like the the deck lines up really well with kind of where we're assuming the meta is going to pivot over to and like the fact that you know with their highlands, this is ramping you two or four, depending if you have like a pair of them uh, off rip, because you only need the one core to have the Gale to be able to go off of it. So I think this spirit lines up incredibly well with applying pressure, um, you know, and also with the fact that the Gale deck is kind of lining up to be a deck where you can actually have like dual or triple attacks on some of your spirits with the way that you can sequence your attacks, which makes it very tough for your opponent to deal with, especially with the fact that everything has Gale. Yeah. That, that's a point that I was going to come back and make after, you know, uh, you were
2: done talking there is uh you have so many ways to double attack your opponent now like i was even playing the seven drop Tokiwa, right so you have the six drop you have the five drop uh i i forget her name but you know i'm sure you guys know which one i'm talking about yeah, yeah miss back uh,
0: or whatever yeah and then the <laughs> six
2: drop and then seven drop Tokiwa, and then the 10 drop so like half of your deck is just double attackers and that's super annoying for your opponent because then they have to uh have like an ice shield every turn or else they're just going to get you know attacked
0: four times by two of your spirits mm-hmm. yeah so this card incredibly good um and then to kind of round out a uh, forest guardian aliru uh, uh five cost two green reduction leaf kindred uh, on levels one two and three one seven place one core from the void each onto one of your emerald sanctuary nexuses and the spirit uh, and then on level two and three, when the spirit attacked her blocks. So like two of your points, brace that cost three or fewer or one that costs six or fewer and exhaust them. So honestly, great defensive abilities um, is always ramps at least one. But because you're playing Sanctuaries anymore, uh, instead, probably still doing two or three. The fact that she's uh, yeah. a mini Thorn Prison on a body, like just great flexibility on that front.
2: Yeah, the way that she was working for me is that uh, she was uh, like the bridge from... Your early game mm-hmm. into jaeger and your 10 drop if you didn't draw highlands right so you know it's really easy to just go like worker ant-man into her or you know sanctuary ant-man her and then you're ramping into your you know late game um so she's been really good i mean you know i don't think it's one you ever want, want to play like four of no um, god no but you know it's a good complement to highlands it's like highlands copies four and five or five and six if you're Mm. you know playing that
0: deck yeah so uh cause any thoughts on the green before we move on to your favorite color (laughs) no the the i'll
1: add is uh i love how the the key spirits you want to play out of gale just auto level themselves off highland which is Mm -hmm. really great And the other thing i couldn't expect is you know we were talking about green really wanting to have another good key spirit that's going to ramp some extra cores and then somehow we got hurricane and then immediately followed we got the plant mommy back to back it's like all right cool i guess this is going to be our you know our ramp bridges to get into that 10 drop more reliably and whoa uh gala's been good already again just testing toki five i'm really excited to see where both of these um end up because yeah huntsman just seems like it's going to be one annoying card and again the fact that it's six so you can't flood it is going to be uh yeah
0: painful for a
2: lot yes, of people this, this card so, is,
0: and like if they bomb it like thanks i'm just going to ramp two cores again like it's just it's so gross yeah. so i have to add just because i'm
2: sure someone in the comments might even call it out is that this made us forget about archduke very very quickly
1: Yep. <laughs> i was gonna make a comment because it's like plant mommy just took that role like instantly because again the emerald sanctuaries are great it plays into your strategy she's going to be ramping you two minimum most of the time like Crazy,
0: absolutely crazy card. Mm-hmm. So uh, green, awesome. Glad to see that was roundabout. It makes me so incredibly excited. This deck is, I'm not going to lie, this is a huge contender for me going into kind of the Netherlands, at least before going into deep testing. It's something that I'm super excited about. But then blue just came out swinging, just kind of throwing hands. So uh, we'll actually start with uh, kind of probably, unfortunately, the most unplayable one and kind of build our way up from there. Um, so first, Colosseum Golem, which I love this card. I think this card's so cool. Um, 10 cost, 6 blue reduction Golem. On levels 1, 2, and 3, when the Spirit attacks, you may exhaust one of your nexus to summon one of your Golem tokens, which again, Golem tokens are 0 cost, level 1, 10Ks that are blue. And then on level 2 and 3, during either attack step, when one of your nexuses is exhausted, select one of your nexuses, place a core from the void onto it so you get to ramp. And then on level three, during your end step at the starting end step, you may exhaust one of your nexus to refresh all of your golems here. So you get to attack with them and have them defensively. And the stats are huge. It's a seven K on one, 11 K on four, 13 K on six. Cause I love it so much. That's all I love. I love the, old,
1: yeah, I love the thematics. I love the golems that you create just being 10 Ks. They look good. I want this archetype to be a real thing so bad. So, so <laughs> bad. Because we have like the five drop that also gets you more golem tokens. And it's like, cool, you have these giant walls. With spoiler, everyone's going to be playing like a two of flood minimum. And you're just asking to get the biggest blowout of your life while trying to play this card. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's really cool if flood and if shark did not exist. Because you can then build up a board where it's like, hey, These 10 Ks matter. We have a way to refresh and there's other cards in the set that matter about exhausting your Nexus to get even more value. Like there is such a cool deck that you can build with this guy. And I just don't know a world where it's ever going to be playable compared to the other three X-Rares that we got. But my God, I freaking love the artwork
2: so much. Yeah, no, it's absolutely right. The art is bang on the, you know, the, the effects are very thematic, very cool. Uh, my, my biggest problem with this card is that at least early on in my experience and i've probably played like 12 hours worth of blue testing so far like the best blue decks that i've played aren't necessarily heavy blue right like you just play the best blue cards and then the rest of your deck is like you know the best cards from the other colors So because of that, it's really hard to get the reductions to do this guy justice, right? Like, I understand that you have, like, 8 to 10 blue blue nexuses that are very good, and you probably want to play, but if all you're doing is playing nexuses, like, you're going to get pounded early on by, you know, the decks that are more proactive. um, Like, it's just, I I love this card. Even in a flood meta, I think he's still good because he's very hard to remove from play. it's just coming up with a deck that has the proper reductions to really use them properly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to have a blue deck that wants to attack. You have to have a blue deck that has a lot of reductions. And like to me, right now, early on, that deck doesn't exist yet. Uh, but maybe in a set or two, we'll have something that this guy can slot into. Because it is a good card. It's just, uh, I don't think the time is right for him. This probably wasn't the best X-Ray for this set. Mm-hmm. It definitely
1: feels like the set two issue with green, right? Yeah. Where it's like, we just need a deeper card pool and then he might mm. get to do something.
0: Yeah, right? we just need more nexuses that like probably exhaust them by themselves, right? Like that have abilities that say, hey, exhaust me to do a thing, right? And, and like to that end, it'll lend itself both to its reduction and to the fact of the payoff for... <laughs> the golems and the to- you know the golems are th- like if the golems become things that you can do for free because let's say the nexus will exhaust itself anyways then it becomes an a, like a self-serving engine where you're not losing hand advantage to be able to do it or whatever it's like a one card army that like your opponent eventually kind of has to deal with and like sure they can flood it but they'll run out of floods or whatever so it's just one of those things where it probably yeah. like cause was saying opens up with as we get a deeper card pool so yeah right. um moving on from that Uh, we've got Mermaid Princess Lyrica. 5 cost, 3 blue reduction. Uh, A Seafay. Level 1 and 2, when summoned, you may play a Nexus card from your hand without paying its cost. And you guys didn't want depth span, come on now. And then on level (laughs) 2, and and by you guys, I mean the community. And then on level 2, during either attack step, at the start of the step, you may select up to 2 your Nexuses and exhaust them during this turn as long as you control this spirit. Treat the selected nexus as their highest level. this does things like turn on impaler. this does things like turn on uh unchained arena so that you're double taxing your opponent um this card is incredible <laughs> yeah, this has been my
2: favorite card by ten miles and and testing like this this whole set it is uh it's so fun to play with when you're putting into play like ridiculous Nexus like this card by itself makes victory oath playable like mm-hmm. it's it's so good to be able to cheat four or five resources for no reason and then also get their level two effects like it's just it is uh it's very very powerful it's very dangerous for a future Nexus yep. you know it's it's just it does everything you could ever want
1: that was gonna be my hot take is I absolutely hate this card because <laughs> it's be so dangerous for what, like, look, I know, I know better than most blue is the nexus color. It is totally meant to be like, Hey, let's do dirty things with nexus. The fact that it's just any of them and you get to play it for free, like same thing with Michaela, right? We we're running into the same issue where it's like, now they have to be extremely mindful of every nexus. They print going forward and what level two that they give nexus that said cards cracked. Absolutely excited for it. But I just had, I have to add the disclaimer of like, mm-hmm this could be a very bad thing in one or two sets.
0: Yeah. Future design. Like these are like future design case, like breaking cards. Right. And it's just like, imagine you could play depths with it, Right. Like, yeah. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah.
2: There's like the early decks I built with this card, you know, Anton built quite a few decks too, is like 14 nexuses. And, and like (laughs) half of them aren't even blue. It's just like, you know, Let's play, you know, Impaler Forest, because we can. Let's play Rotting Swamp, because we can. Let's play, you know, Victory Oath, Canyon. Like, you, you just play all these cards because, like, you tell yourself, man, I never want to pay four cores or five cores for this Nexus. But when it's for free, Victory Oath is like, okay, I'm going to play her, play a free Star Blush draw. drawl, go on with my turn, use her ability to make my Enchained Arenas both level two. Like, you just do really nutty things with her.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's incredibly powerful. I think scary for design Um, and opens up uh, a lot of different strategies. I think she kind of opens up this like slow control blue really well because mm-hmm. yeah. of the fact that she can turn on the level two. So it's the fact that you can have those nexuses be at those lower levels but not use up the cores which means you can use those for your defensive pieces on your opponent's turn mm-hmm. and still always have the tax and still always have those abilities um yeah. and then it like in a world where we have nexuses that are good proactively on level two which currently none really exist but like you could then have that so she's like the fact that she's flexible on either attack step the fact that like she cheats on costs the fact that like, like three reductions she has three <laughs> reduction like that's mm-hmm crazy i
2: don't care that she's a 3k level one three reductions she she did her job
0: yeah no she's so good and just ah um i'll I'll leave you for for last for egregious reasons um we've got truth god mandela the feature card of the set eight cost for blue reduction war god when summoned on levels one and two if you spend a soul core as a part of the spirit summoning cost Discard the top three cards of your opponent's deck for each nexus, not specifically blue, that you control. You can discard a maximum of 12 cards with this effect. And then on level two, when the spirit attacks, you may discard a spirit with crush to discard the top six cards of your opponent's deck. I don't think that level two matters.
1: <laughs> it does a lot. A lot of time it doesn't, but the one thing I will say I'm upset about this card is that it should have been only blue Nexus in the same way that the shark was blue Nexus, because I think it just opens up because I'm going to get burned alive first talking about how great mill is because it's interactive and because we saw all the crush stuff, which is very much what mill is meant to do in battle spirits. And now it's like, well, all right, well, now we just have this guy at the top and that's just going to YOLO off 12 cards. And you can play a rainbow, you know, Nexus if you want to. So yeah. blue is meant to be a very greedy color. And this one, like, I would not be surprised at all if it catches an errata just to be blue focused. That'd be my one, hopefully not a hot take, but maybe people will come around and seeing why it definitely should
2: be just yeah. blue Nexus. I I I give it two weeks before the Facebook group is flooded with this card and it's banned because what it does is it encourages and creates very non-interactive playstyles, which i love like that's mm, like my bread mm, and butter like mm. i want my opponent World's to have no fun scare. at all <laughs> and i'm the one who's going to be having all all the fun and this guy is just insane like you you want to starblast draw him perfect go, go for ahead. it draw yeah. four cards and it's just uh you know he is just crazy the fact that he and the mermaid uh aren't Color locked are just insane. Some of the first decks that Anthony and I built for Blue were like, you know, like I was saying, like 14 Nexus, 20 spells, maybe more, like 12 creatures. And all you do is sit there, never attack, kill their cards every turn, and then mill them out. Like, and it was, it was insane. So this guy is probably going to be a problem. uh, But, We'll see how it works. Just the fact that Impaler Force exists makes it even worse. Because it's just like play him, kill him off, like discord death him, uh set an ice shield, ice shield your opponent, get back in, you know, from from impaler, do it again. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's brutal.
0: Yeah, it's 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 incredibly painful. It's not super interactable. Um, and the ways that you can interact with it suck, right? Like, okay, so what bursts do we have? Well. Uh, we can starblast draw. So draw four. So we actually just meld, you know, 16. Uh, yeah. We can counter sword. So counter I put sword, it on the top yeah. of your deck so that you can do it again <laughs> next turn. Um, you know, it's just, it, it tops ends incredibly well. And I will say, I think in a vacuum, it's not as egregious, but when you combo with the fact that mermaid exists, the way she does, when you combo with the fact that like shark who we're about to see exists, this can lend itself to a deck that is incredibly unfun for a lot of players. I am going to have the best time of my life, but I know that like this is going to lend itself to a lot of frustrated players because a lot of players are going to lose to this card.
2: Yeah, and I
0: apologize in advance for the first uh, European geo. <laughs> no, my God. And, and- yeah, they're not going to have a good time. And I think I don't think the answers to mill that they printed, like the yellow one where you get to put it back to your hand, the white one that prevents mill, but it's on flash timing. So it actually. hits like not the first crush, but the second crush, like it's none of that matters. There, there are no good answers to this card. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, it's just it's it's happening. You can't stop it. You just have to. Mm hmm you know, either sideboard into 60 cards and hopefully you can kill them, you know, before, you know, before you die. Yeah. So I guess uh,
1: my hot take, I'm going to get on record real quick is mm-hmm. I am going to expect Mandala and mermaid to get rotted in before set three ends to be blue locked. That would be my guess. I wouldn't be
0: surprised if that was the case. I, I think blue is a significantly well blue. Yeah. Like I think the strategies revolving blue are going to be significantly worse because of it. Because we don't have the depth of blue nexuses that we need to really kind of like, you know, want to flesh out those strategies with 12, 16, whatever nexuses like they kind of want us to. But I think for the health of the game, if the health of the game is not letting these kinds of strategies be like over and under incredibly powerful, probably something that's going to need to happen. Eh, I don't think they'll do anything. I, I could see them not do something also, right? Because set forward, jumping into double gems, which means... We're more likely to have ways to be able to, you know, destroy the opponent before they lend themselves to getting so deep. It, it's who knows, right? Like set four sounds like it's going to be a power bump. So maybe we won't need it, especially if the game speeds up. But um yeah. to jump it, the last card, the card that I have had the most discussions with almost everybody uh, in every community, whether it's RL or whatever, we got Cthulhu shark, a six cost one blue reduction aberration on levels, or as an additional summoning cost, you must destroy one of your blue nexuses. There's like a sense, so no matter what, you can't cheat this in play without having to get rid of a blue nexus. But, on summon, on level 1, 2, and 3, destroy all spirits without a soul core on them. And on level 3, while the spirit attacks, when the spirit destroys one of your opponent's spirits, or you're comparing BP, select the nexus card in your trash and place it without paying its cost. This card is absolutely absurd.
2: Yeah, that's correct. There's, there's like no no drawback right like the drawback is you have to kill a nexus and i guess right through board. Huh. yeah like that's never gonna happen so <laughs> it's uh it's it's crazy and you know half the time when you kill your own nexus you're ramping one right because of like enchanted arena so i <laughs> i don't know what else to say about this card it is uh you know you don't even have to keep it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can rat itself, keep something else, and then just paler force to back. Uh, you know, again, plays into those non-interactive strategies. Um, you know, sure, your opponent can keep their best card, maybe, uh, but it's it's incredible. Like, there's nothing else I can really say about it. It's It goes on every blue deck, uh, regardless of what you're doing, and uh, it'll get splashed into, you know... Lot of you know, quite a few other decks as well, uh, with some package with like Enchained Arena, Lighthouse, and Shark. So, see where you know it lands up, but it's it's broken.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. blue purple is
2: definitely a home for it, but you know, what? I do got something I gotta say about this card that I'm
1: really upset about. It's not gonna have an SPR. Why? I was thinking that earlier. It's
2: not gonna have an SPR. It's like, why? Where's my Cthulhu Shark? SPR. Mm-hmm. Need it in my life. But yeah we're not going to get it.
0: No, I mean, it's got like, it's funny because it's got like, you can, it's like you can set up a Nomen Guard, which quote unquote punishes your opponent blowing every board. And you can, you know, soul core up something that you want to save. But then you can use the, I uh, forget what nexus it is that allows you to attack with something that has a soul core on it. So you can kind of crash to that for like a full board wipe or something of the sort. So I, I think, as much as I think that like, mandela will lend itself to being kind of the most frustrating because a lot of opponents are going to lose to it um i think shark is probably the number one cards that people are going to bang their heads onto the wall because they just lost their entire board right and like the decks that are looking to do this the worst the biggest offenders are going to have the ability to line this up to do a turn after turn after turn and i think that's going to be incredibly frustrating because board wipes are the types of cards that like you kind of just need to learn how to deal with because like you can't it's a it, it's a feels bad in the same way that like losing out to like an exhaust nexus blowout feels bad and like oh I'm never gonna let that happen again, which like unfortunately when it comes to cards like shark it's just like okay well now I can't overcommit to my board because like I can get curse comboed but like it not it doesn't cost my opponent thirteen course to do it cost him you know five course to do, so is the card's incredibly pushing honestly probably going to be annoyingly expensive <laughs> i was i was so ready for this first grand open uh after the pro tour to be like oh yeah i'll spend ten dollars get whatever i need and then move on and now between like these like six different xrs that i want to pick up between blue and green i'm like oh no i'm gonna actually have to spend money
1: <laughs> yeah thankfully we got a lot of cases going but um yeah thinking back to you the first like red purple yellow and white all just feel fine right they've had the most time they've had a lot of sets there's a lot of support from the card pool is very deep green finally feels like it's coming on board we have some really good things to look forward to and then blue is just like fuck it we ball right like it's out here ready to go which is really exciting from a set design because i think a lot of people did feel a little bit let down myself at least included someone who's played a lot of green almost all of set two and blue really does feel like yes it's still gonna be a splash, but. It has very strong pieces that's going to make it stand out in the meta. And as we mentioned with Shark, there's going to be a lot of things that players just have to respect for it. So I'm very excited to see where this goes. And I'm, you know, I was going to be playing blue no matter what in uh, season three or wave three, whatever you want to call it. But now I'm like super excited to play because there's a, quite a few different decks I at least want to try out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I'm going to give like one more shout out to the art. Um, honestly, the art the set has been absolutely phenomenal i love the art on almost all these xrs uh, the sprs uh which we won't have on screen but you guys can go check them out in the community discord um also look super sick love the spr art um in terms of what they've done from the looks of it uh, we're getting spr for a key magic from four different colors so we've got double heart soul crush uh, dimension rift and strong draw and it looks like we're getting sprs for all of the guardians Um, So we've got Trident, we've got Nocturna, we've got the Red Queen, uh, which means the last two coming through uh, are are probably going to be uh, Al Rhone and uh, Frost Tiger, I guess. So uh, very excited about that. Love the art. You know, if we can get a full set of this level of art, I think that's going to be very, very big things for this game moving forward. So I agree. But that does... Open up the entirety of the set. Again, the set's available on BSSDB, so if you guys want to go ahead and jump on there to deck build. But I mean, gentlemen, now that we have the full set, you know, I know we've kind of run a little bit long here, but, uh, you know, thoughts on set three. You know, we've done a little bit of testing. I know we have about like, you know, some odd couple of dozen hours between all of us kind of looking deck building, testing and whatnot. How do we feel about the release or, or the, the the card available cards available in the set?
2: I think it's a positive. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm a fan. Like I, I think it's much better than set two. I think it's probably not as good as set one because set one was so cranked up to 10. Uh, but this set feels like it has more than half a dozen playable cards. So, you know, I, it's, it's been exciting to test and build some decks and we'll just have to see where they land as far as like the, a grand open level goes. So, I mean, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I think no matter what, blue's gonna have some amount of impact. But then what I also really appreciate is there's just fun decks for people to build and play at locals. Like again, going back to Otherlander, that is gonna be a super fun deck just to jam and have some mm-hmm. fun with. So I I can at least appreciate that from very early on. It looks like we're having both a let's have fun at locals, let's have these like big key spirit payoffs, and just you know, get to do those strategies that you want to execute on. And then also like, oh, my God, blue and green are looking insane. I'm really excited. Um, And we will hopefully see a a more diverse cut. We're like, hey, we have all six colors now. Can we get all six colors in top eight? Probably not. But fingers crossed, it'd be really cool to see.
0: Mm -hmm. I I agree. I think my biggest thing has been kind of like the failures of set two kind of are repeating results in set three, where set three feels like there are new ways to play the game. Right. That a lot of even in red, it's like big red kind of like between the sanctuary and the dragon, you know, are they amazing? I don't know. But like they are definitely a way to play the game. I built another lander's deck and it looks like stupid fun. Right. I can play nightling aristocrats and kind of use mini Nemesis and big nemesis to kind of draw infinite cards and do things. Uh Fabled beast now has a key spirit. Um well, Machine beast is already good, so we can ignore frost tiger. But like, you know, so it's and and the fact that green feels like I can play a green deck. That's not just cards go Burr, Right. And like have some success with it. The fact that blue feels like it can finally introduce a degenerate play style that i love because i guess i know most people hate the kind of players like i do but i need to be uh you know uh there there need to be times when my play style is represented in a game as well and i'm very excited for it so i in terms of set three i think the last round of XRs plus kind of digging deeper into some of the cards that open up strategies have been a very welcoming breath of fresh air in terms of deck builds and like i've been Like every day I choose a different color. I'm like, okay, what are we building in this color now? Right. Just to see if I can get new ideas grabbed. And I think it's going to be, especially since we're jumping right from the pro tour to the grand open and it's going to be grand open, grand open, grand open. So there's no like flex breathing room. It's going to be tournament results. And then like next week, okay, what, what, what breaks the meta to kind of do this tournament. And then the week after, right. So it's going to be very fun to see that quick burst evolution of the meta, you know, backed by tournament results which will then have like a three, four week break. And then as we go into pro tour three and world. So I think, I think it's going to lend itself to uh, a very explosive first few weeks, which I am very excited for. And hopefully, you know, will lend itself to a uh, quite a big shakeup. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So with that said, that was our review of set three. We have to send off set two. We're going to be jumping onto the pro tour next. And that's what you guys have to look forward to. we, uh no more grand opens so we have 3 weeks ish of kind of downtime before everyone moves on to start traveling to the Netherlands for the pro tour which will cap off set 2 before the release of set 3 um of course uh, you guys should talk to your local game stores to talk about the reveal events uh not only should you guys be putting the pro tour on the tv of your shop so you guys can watch all the action go because presumably it's going to be live stream but you guys will definitely want to participate in your reveal events your reveal events are the greatest opportunity you have to engage new players into your local game stores guys so i highly recommend you guys participate show up and try to push towards getting a great attendance because you know new players when they show up to a shop and they say like oh my god there's 12 other people here learning the game picking up the game it provides a great opportunity to kind of Uh, bring life back to this local. so it's an incredibly important event i highly recommend you guys check those out the lore set releases this weekend in north america pick them up uh you know i know a lot of those cards kind of work in conjunction with each other but there are a few cards god slayer tokiwa cards like those uh that will lend themselves great to your collection moving forward and i gotta say with the gold bordering they look absolutely gorgeous but with that said guys that was this week's service thank you guys so much for coming to the Church of Pentine Podcast and until next week may the cores be our saviors
2: Thanks guys